And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. So, how's that uh, quarantine uh, going? You having fun? Having fun walking around the neighborhood 10, 12 times a day, seeing the same people? Ah, you don't care about them. You doing some uh, house projects? Doing some stuff, doing some personal reflection, you know, doing stuff around the house. I hate doing stuff around the house. I hate it. I used to have a guy for everything. Now I don't have a guy. Can't come over because of the coronavirus. Can't come by. So now I have to do all this stuff. And I don't know how to do it. I'm just making holes in the wall. I have to have like five different guys come over when this thing is over to fix all the holes I made with these house projects that I didn't want to do in the first place. So that's how quarantine's going on this end. Beside the fact that it's completely unconstitutional and no one has the right to tell you where you can or cannot go, which is basically modern-day tyranny. So that's another thing. But we have an amazing guest. She is a warrior of freedom. She is an impassioned advocate, and I can't tell you how much respect I have for her. So the fact that she's come back for a second time, it's awesome. Before we start, I just want to tell you that, again, I've been very passionate lately about freedom. I love it. I love it so much. I just want to have more of it. I can't get enough of it. It's like pizza. Just give me give me 10 pies. I love it. I love freedom. So a lot of people say that uh, freedom is going to uh, it's not happening anymore. The sun is setting on freedom because we have to compromise all of our civil liberties to fight a little virus that 99% of the people in America do not have. And a lot of people in the world don't have. Most people in the world are actually healthy don't have this. But because they, we, they just blindly follow their leaders, their supposed leaders, the entire economy is being shut down. But I think there's, there's something that's going to turn around with this. And what I think is two things. One, I think their measures that they took are probably so stupid that it's going to create more disaster than ever. It'll get a lot of people questioning. But besides the fact, beside that point... If you listened to our show before, you've heard a lot of people who've had you know, near-death experiences have actually died. And they all say that, I guess a lot of them say when they die, that being a human was one of many incarnations, that they're actually an internal spirit. So their eternal spirit will you know, be a human one life, it'll be an animal another life. It's kind of like it just picks up a different car and drives it around. So... A lot of people on the planet right now, most people in general, I think they believe that they're human. They believe that they are a human being and they don't have a perception of life or consciousness beyond that perception. So when they're in fear-based media all the time, they're constantly hearing how awful the world is. I imagine that they're going to be very, you know, not going to be in a position of critical thinking, not going to be in a position where they're going to look for the answers within. Maybe they're just going to be so terrified they're just going to focus on whatever they're going to eat next. I can understand that, but at the same time, you, you can't just let freedom go. You got to stand and fight for freedom because that is our—that is who we are naturally. That is who we are. That is—that is the basis and the foundation of our consciousness. At least according to all the people we've talked to that have you know, died, 
been dead and come back and they all go to this wonderful, beautiful place. It's all encompassing with love. So you wonder like, well, if that's where they're going and that's where we go when we die, why can't we have it here? I think we can definitely have it here. We just got to wake up and realize it. So I thought that if the people listening right now, if you could start meditating more, I mean, I will do it with you. It's hard for me, especially because my brain is like ADHD times 25 million. (laughs) But we'll do it together. If we can sit there, quiet our minds, meditate, and get some of that knowledge coming and connect with the divine source, I believe that we could be strong enough and we could will our way to freedom. And the more we meditate and the more we just believe and accept the idea that we are infinite consciousness and the body is one of many cars that will drive throughout its journey, it's very empowering. And plus, we, we, you meditate, you plug out away from the, the matrix, the matrix of fear that everyone's wrapped up in right now. And um, you know, there's a reason why you're on Earth right now. There's a reason why I, I'm here and uh, probably to drive a lot of people crazy, probably be here to, to see the birth of my son. But I think that, uh, especially people listening to this show, we're here to be candles in the dark. We are here to uh, be the spark that is going to turn things around. I think there's a reason why you've gone through what you've gone through. I mean, think about it for one second. Think about it for one second right now all the things that you've gone through in your life. I'm sure that there hasn't been pleasant things, but I'm sure that you've probably gone through something incredibly difficult, damaging, that most people wouldn't be able to survive, but yet you're here. You're here, you're alive right now. And I think the reason why is because you know, you're here to be that strength. The world needs you. The world needs us. So let's work together. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need a lot of people to turn things around to, to discover freedom. I think we just need to be in, you know, embracing the idea that infinite consciousness we're spirit incarnating a body and because we have that we have a perception that most people don't have and because of that we have a much greater perception we have access to all different types of information let's do that let's embrace that let's get this party going because I am sick of this tyrannical crap I, tyranny does not work for me freedom I love tyranny not fun not cool not down for that stuff let us begin tonight's program it is a great honor once again to welcome back to the program Dr. Naomi Wolf. She is CEO of Daily Clout. You can learn more about her by going to dailyclout.io. She's also author of several books. One of them is called End of America. I think Dr. Wolf is an impassionate, passionate civil rights advocate. She's really raised awareness about civil liberties and given a lot of great articles and writings to empower other people. So, Dr. Wolf, welcome back to our show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be talking to you again. Thank you. And the last time we spoke, we're talking about um, how it looked like tyranny was taking root all throughout the U.S. And we got this little uh, virus now, and I don't know, it looks like it's going in overdrive. So, from what you are seeing right now, where do you think things are heading? Do you think that this reaction is kind of an overreaction that governments will take these powers of, I don't know, that I didn't see that you even really had in the Constitution and force this upon us in the future. Are we going to be having a 1984 type of uh, lifestyle? Huh. Well, I don't think, like this is an unprecedented situation um, medically, right? And I'm not a doctor and I, I certainly like everyone find, you know, these measures extraordinarily startling, but I, 
I'm not going to see here an overreaction, um, you know, if, if lives are at stake. There is a really interesting uh, point that a civil libertarian made in Britain, that there is a big difference in a civil society between um, asking everyone to limit their movements and compelling them to. Um, again, not being an epidemiologist, this could be such a dire situation wherein physically that that's necessary for now. And there have been cases of, um, you know, emergency powers being uh, used in really dramatic circumstances. A frequently cited example is Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War. Um, and you, you never want to see emergency powers used in democracy. But the question for me is less, is it an overreaction now? Because I think, you know, especially when you're dealing with something that, about which so much is unknown, it may be necessary to save, you know, thousands and thousands of lives to have draconian public health measures temporarily. The real question is, how do you make sure that the people get their liberties back after the crisis has passed? And, you know, I'm, I'm much more comfortable talking about how worried I am about extra power grabs um, that a lot of civil libertarians are talking about that, it, that are using the real medical crisis as cover. And I'm also super comfortable talking about how do we make sure that cause history shows that when those power grabs, you know, uh, take place, often under cover of emergency um, news events, uh, you know, even very real news events, um, that, that the people who have grabbed the power don't want to give it back. So I'm definitely seeing a lot of power grabs, a lot of people like Naomi Klein and um, other civil libertarians are also seeing all kinds of power grabs. And yeah, and my worry is what tools do we have to, to get our liberties back when this is all over? And, and you know, very short term, I'm, I'm certainly worried about things I'm seeing around the world um, that are above and beyond punitive, you know, for the purposes of protecting society from a very serious, you know, medical crisis. Dr. Well, I'm really concerned because in, when September 11th happened, in the Patriot Act was already written. It was already already in place. So when this happened and all of a sudden, the, the, you know, Bill of Rights and the Fourth Amendment got completely decimated, we never got those rights back. I, I mean, I, we never had the same type of liberty that we did before September 11th. So I don't understand why anything would be any different in this particular case. And in that circumstance, she said, what can people do? I mean, if people are comfortable with this and there's, and you know, the powers that shouldn't be are constantly telling people they should be afraid, what incentive do they have to relinquish the powers that they've just acquired? And what incentive do the people have? Or is there any spark do you see in the people's eyes to go after those powers and to take them back and take their liberties back? Cause I just don't see it in America right now. I don't. I don't see the fight. I don't see anyone really standing right. up and questioning. They just they're just allowing it to happen. They're just like, you know, I'm scared. Make me not scared anymore. And they're just kind of letting it happen. So I'm curious what your perspective is on that. Well, um, these are great questions. Uh, you know, it's certainly true that if you look at history, fear. You know, when people are scared, um, they will hand over their liberties, understandably, to any you know autocrat or tyrant who will keep them safe. Um, and that's human, you know, it's a human emotion. So I definitely see people, I'm in, you know, I'm in New York. I mean, this is like the epicenter of um, deaths and the news out of my state is horrific. And uh, I, I feel, you know, a sense of 
belief almost that Andrew Cuomo is being pretty draconian <laughs> in limiting people's movements. Um, but I, I so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is when people are really scared about their survival, uh, it's natural for them to not fight or not even think about um, liberties because what we're being messaged right now is liberty equals danger equals death. Um, that's the nature of a, you know, a, a virus. You know, it's it's, it's so tailor made the situation for um, crushing democracy. I mean, one of the things that you know people can't help but notice is that um, by you know, a it's medically necessary to keep six feet apart to stay indoors. B also it takes away freedom to assemble. You know, that's, that's really what I'm really true. concerned about. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and other rights as well. I mean, we can get to the Second Amendment, we can get to, you know, all kinds of amendments that are being kind of put on ice right now. But um, it is really worrying that uh, I gather the Keystone Pipeline, which had been held at bay by protest, 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 they were able to drive something through um, now that everyone's home not able to protest. So uh, you may like the Keystone Pipeline, you may not, but as Americans, it's you know, we have to keep our eyes, and that's why I, you know, was happy to speak with you, and I'm really not doing much of anything right now except cooking, you know, because we have to, like, at a time like this, be really vigilant and note, you know, what what right is being put on ice so that we can grab it back um, and, and not just go into into state of slumber. Um, so freedom to assemble is gone, you know. Um, another right that I think about, I, I don't like guns. Uh, I grew up in, you know, very liberal, left-wing, peaceful, you know, hippie environment. But um, my husband uh, uses a firearm in his work. He's a private detective, and he's trained to use firearms. And we went to a gun store, which is a sentence I never thought I'd speak, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And um, there was a run on ammunition and on guns, you know, understandably, because we're going into a time where people are going to get desperate, they're going to run out of money. Um, and so gun owners were stocking up. So I was very interested and startled as an American, even though I don't like guns, I believe in sensible gun control. Personally, as an American, I was taken aback that um, guns are, are considered non, you know, gun stores are considered non-essential at this time, but liquor stores are essential. <laughs> you know, that's kind of a recipe for just what the founders warned us about. Like everyone kind of giving up and, you know, being in a state of, of intoxication or, or torpor or fear. And um, I don't like, you know, guns, but I, I respect that we have a Second Amendment that gives people the right to bear arms, you know. So that's another one that is just like gone in New York State without debate. I just right? want to pause you real quick about the Second Amendment. Real quick, because you said that you don't like the Second Amendment. I'm wondering if... No, no, no. I said I don't like guns. Oh, you like guns. Are we understand we have a like, yeah. second amendment, but yeah, it's always thinking about it, when it comes to it, too. I don't know. I have to say, I know a bunch of people that have guns. They seem to be very responsible. I, I've never seen them I've seen them have a crazy look in their eye, but I'm wondering if the difference between our country and other countries is if we don't have a second amendment, if we don't have the right to bear arms, what makes I mean, are, are we, as a public, not completely naked? I mean, do we have any means to resist I'm just wondering how other nations uh, throughout the earth have been able to rebel or have been able to withstand the brunt of tyranny 
without having some means to defend themselves. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, uh, you know, I don't think Europe has withstood tyranny <laughs> that effectively they've lost a lot of rights. Um, I, I and and these are, I mean, that's a you know that's a conversation we could have for hours. The the question about the Second Amendment and as as I said, I personally am uncomfortable with firearms, and I believe in sensible gun control. For instance, um, there's a really good bill. I think it's a good bill in Connecticut to let people who are clinically at risk of harm to themselves or to others um, have a temporary warrant to remove their gun. That seems reasonable. Is that um, a red flag law? Yeah, I guess you could call it a red flag law. But, you know, good people disagree about the details of that. But what I do want to say is overall, you know, we have a Second Amendment and it gives people the right to bear arms. So I guess I'd redirect at, you know, these are huge powers and rights that our founders gave us, whether you like them or not, right? They gave us the right to bear arms, um, specifically to resist tyranny, whether you choose to have a gun in your house or not. And... So in New York State, that just got swept away. Um, we're seeing, you know, other countries are even, even worse than we are right now. The coronavirus bill that passed Parliament in Britain um, allows the police to detain people longer without any charges, you know. And the National Defense Authorization Act of 2012, which you and I have spoken about, I believe, which, you know, good people who follow these things have been screaming about since 2012, gives the president the power to um, detain people indefinitely without charge of trial. And a lot of Americans don't know that. But the, the right to due process was just taken away with that um, National Defense Authorization Act. So when Cuomo was saying a few days ago, you know, arguing with Trump and Trump was saying, let's just lock down New York by force. And Cuomo was saying, you can't do that. That's not lawful. Uh, he, I was startled to hear him say that because it, it actually is lawful for the executive to detain people without charge of trial. So I really am fearful, you know, about these powers because in a, with the virus, you know, real, real threat, um, you can still, like, detain critics, detain undesirables, detain people who are speaking up in ways that you don't like. Um, it's, it's just a recipe for, for tyranny. Uh, and, and each of those rights, um, the right to due process, the freedom to assemble, uh, even the Second Amendment, which, you know, I have such, but I don't like guns, but I respect the Second Amendment. I'll say that over and over. Um, you know, these are not trivial rights that have kept us free for, for, for centuries. And we should be very nervous, <laughs> you know, as you know, huge historical events are locking into place in response to a very real crisis, um, but we should be nervous that these rights kind of melt away or are put into abeyance. And we should be vigilant and we should be ready to say, hey, wait a minute, what's the, you know, what's the expiration date for the suspension of these rights? Or what's the trigger of giving me my rights back? Um, what's the trigger, you know, how many people need to be healthy, for instance? before we can have freedom of assembly again. Like those are, that's the debate that we should be having right now. And what does worry me, especially in a time of emergency, is just what you said, that people are shocked, people are scared, people are indoors and isolated, and isolation definitely, you know, disempowers communities, right? 
um, we can't come together. We can't even come together and mourn. You know, tonight is Passover. I can't get together with my family to celebrate. So in, in all of that context, um, it's very easy for us to give up that, you know, that, that vigilance about our liberties. Dr. Wolf, I have a, maybe a different perspective about when it, liberties. I'm very thankful that the Founding Fathers outlined what they believed were, I guess, rights that all people had. But I never believed that, for instance, that the, the, these rights and civil liberties came from anyone, that government doesn't have them. So when, when people say, like, we should ask the government, we should have the rights back, I don't want to ever, ever make them think that they have the illusion that they have that power, because I, I don't want to give them the power. You make I, a good point. Yeah, I, that was poorly uh, worded on my part. Oh, no, um, I guess, like, how, how do you even say it? I mean, if, if the, just the whole kind of lockdown, shelter-in-place language, which may be totally medically necessary. I really don't want that to be taken out of context, not by you, but by, you know, critics who have things out of context. Granted, right, that it seems to be completely medically necessary. It is a totally unprecedented um, lifting of the First Amendment right to assemble. And so you're, you're right to say, well, if these are rights and they're inalienable, which is what our founders have said, how is it that it's even possible by what mechanism is it even possible to say, all right, everyone stay home, or we're going to arrest you, which is what is happening in states like New York. You know, there's now a $1,000 fine, I think, if you don't uh, keep social distance. And um, so there, the mechanism, as I understand, legally is emergency law. You know, and, and if we're going to get technical, that's step 10 of, of what I spelled out in the end of America. That's, uh, it's not necessarily martial law because it's not the military doing it, but emergency law, state of emergency kind of suspends normal um, due process and suspends the Constitution, essentially. And I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but these are questions we really should be asking right now, like what does the state of emergency do to the Constitution? And when do we, maybe a better way to say it is, when do we citizens compel the state of emergency to be over and the Constitution, mm. like the law of the land to get? The war on terror is still technically on. I, I never saw anything in the Constitution about this. That's why I think like these governors are out there, oh. they're saying that we should sell from a place. But, well, what grounds do you have? Where does this power originate from? Is, is it in the Constitution? I don't see anything about the Founding Fathers saying the state of emergency, that the, the you know, civil liberties are, are violated. I mean, Andrew Napolitano uh, has been writing a lot of great articles about this, talking about freedom being lost and that we need to be vigilant about it. But there's actually uh, the next point I want to bring to your attention is that I think that your life's work gives me a lot of hope and it should give a lot of people hope in the freedom movement. And I'll explain why. Because I don't know if you knew what you were going to do when you were growing up, but you became an individual who wrote several books, you became an advocate for women, you became an advocate for men, and because you decided to speak, because you decided to communicate, because you decided to put a lot of your energy, thought, and attention on your advocacy work, and letting people aware of their, their personal power, you've affected millions of lives. So one individual, you. you, you're welcome, you, one individual, put their time, effort, and energy, and you affected millions of people. So when I think about that, when I think of the example you said, I have hope for freedom because then thinking, okay, well, if we have some people that are very strong, we're talking about, you know, 300, you know, military, 300 people, you know, really strong, and they're pushing out hard. Maybe we can transform this. Maybe we, we can push this back. So for those people out there that want to make the difference, that want to get the freedom out there, 
to get it going on fire the way you've gotten a lot of your ideas on fire, what are some of the effective ways that you've been able to express your ideas, communicate your ideas, get your ideas out in public form and see them take root to where they become a part of our foundation and fabric of our society? Well, first, I just want to thank you so much for those kind words. And second, I'll definitely have to read um, Napolitano's essays because um, I, haven't, I haven't seen them. And that's a big problem with America right now. We've got kind of the filter bubble where I probably get a different opinion and news stream than you do um, based on an algorithm. And so there, must, there may be great work on liberty that I'm not seeing. And that's, that's scary, you know, because that divides us as a country. Um, but I guess what I want to say is, you know, that question you just asked me, I could have answered it two weeks ago in the world that doesn't exist anymore for the time being, right? In a stable civil society, um, you can blog, you can, you know, self-publish, you can write a book proposal and, you know, get a publisher. We started Daily Cloud, which is a platform I'm really proud of, which uh, boosts democracy. You can write op-eds for Daily Cloud. We have a um, something called BillCam, which is so cool, where you can search each state or federal bill and send it through social media and gather, um, you know, uh, campaign uh, yourself for the issues that you care about. Um, with the internet, especially, anyone can be really a global advocate and have a global voice. Having said that, we're in a really unprecedented time, and. I also think it's a time now where kind of all bets are off. Um, and while, and I, I also think influencers are less confident than they were before the crisis uh, about, you know, speaking up and, and being very, very vocal um, because, it, you know, everybody is, is concerned how will this play out? Where will it end? Um, we're in a time when, you know, President Trump said we're sending a thousand military men and women to New York City. So thank God, I guess, they're medical people and, you know, there's definitely need for medical help. But at the same time, it is such a vulnerable state for a country to be in and it violates our uh, separation of where the military is supposed to deploy. They're not supposed to deploy within the borders of the United States. The National Guard deploys within our borders. The military is supposed to only deploy overseas. Um, according to habeas corpus, I'm sorry, that's not right. According to, cut that. According to, um, what is it called? All right, I'm going to blur right over that and ask you to cut that sure. um, error. According to the um, longstanding traditions and laws that we have in this country, that the military does not deploy in the United States. So those lines are being blurred. And by definition, that's a police state or that's a military, um, I don't want to say dictatorship yet, but occupation. You know, it's very, very dangerous. And I'm, sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say military occupation. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, basically. I mean, depending on what they do, uh, you know, do they heal the sick or do they, you know, stand at the bridges and tunnels of New York and say no one can go in or out and, um, and start rounding up the editors, you know, like historically, that's where, that's what happens next when the military um, appears in the streets of, of cities. So we're in a very vulnerable time. And as a result, my answer to you is, is different. You know, like I'm still talking to you, I'm still advocating, but if things do take a darker turn, like a lot of activists, um, it's harder 
to decide to put your head above the parapet in a a time when the rule of law is being upended and and human rights and liberties are being upended. For example, um, there's, you know, I know that some social media like Twitter has said that they're going to start silencing voices that um, criticize certain kinds of deployment around coronavirus. So what what if the vo- you know what if there start to be voices that say this is too extreme? You know this is a civil society you can't lock people down against their will. You know it violates the First Amendment. Um, you know even if it's medically called for, there, you know a line has been crossed. Uh, this should be voluntary, or you can't um, you can't you know force people surveil people's drones or track their phones to find out who they've been in contact with. Those are those are violations of the Constitution. Uh, it could so those voices could so easily be targeted, um, and and you know boss and trolls can uh, smear influencers, um, but their they, or their their accounts can be turned off. Um, they can be silenced in various ways. So it's it's a it's a shifting landscape, is what I want to say, and the confidence with which two weeks ago I would have said all of you go out and, you know, fight the good fight and speak up. Um, I have to realistically say it's a, it's a darker time right now. And, and, you know, by definition, we should fight for liberty, especially in the darkest of times. Um, and, you know, I guess that's where the, the summer soldiers and the, you know, the patriots get, get divided, but it's, it's harder to do, you know, when, when there's a, um, when there's a crisis and when there's a massive suspension of civil liberties, I mean, that's, there's no other you know, way you can put it. It's getting, it's it's getting really awful. We've seen in our culture that when somebody uses a racial slur or says something really racist, they, everyone kind of pounces on and you know tells them you're awful and they do it and they just shame them. So what I've been doing lately... Dr. Wolf, is when somebody says, okay, you know, the idea of a police state, this is a great idea. Yeah, I'm a slave. I don't care about the the, the, um, the Constitution. I really go out of my way. I don't like doing this, but I, I try to humiliate that person, and I try to de- destroy them. I do, and I do it not because, again, I take any pleasure in it, because I feel like people who don't appreciate the First Amendment, don't appreciate the Constitution, don't appreciate the very foundations of the freedoms in our country, ones where our countless ancestors fought and died for. I mean, I just feel like they're being mm-hmm. very disrespectful and feel like we have an obligation, even if we can't do much, if we can do anything out of respect for ourselves and our fellow citizens. So I was wondering what you think about those those two things. And Well, I guess I, I'm not sure. I mean, first of all, you know, that's so, so lovely, you know, what you said about your wife and how, how lucky Fire. you both are. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I guess I'd need to see what example, you know, in what example you you want to kind of humiliate well, people sure, to just, say, I give up, I'm because I don't know how humiliating people who are already so, you know, depressed, <laughs> so is going to energize them, but I, I appreciate you speaking out, you know, for, for our vigilance. But look, here's, let's just be really, really honest. Here's our problem. By definition, right, this virus makes us fear each other. 
So by definition, all the things we would need to do as patriots to protect our liberties, we do at our own risk or at risk of, of, of you know, causing harm to someone else physically or at risk of uh, getting sick ourselves as long as this is out there. So I don't have any easy answers because it's almost as if this virus makes people, in order to stay safe, beg for a feudal society where their movements are controlled and um, and, and everybody's movements are controlled uh, because the virus has turned us into dangerous to one another. Um, I don't think there's an easy answer for that right now. Like the, the thing to do right now is what we're doing right now, which is having these conversations, not letting that fire of passion for liberty go out. You know, it's like the dark ages, like the monks had to keep <laughs> the books in libraries, you know, while the, the barbarians were raging and, and everything was darkness um, so that there could be a renaissance, right? Like right now we have to keep the memory of liberty alive. We have to tell each other like every day what's in the constitution, what, you know, we have to constantly ask our elected officials by what right do you take this step, you know, nominally for public health and truly for public health. What, what law undergirds it? And when, will it, when do we decide that it's over? What checks and balances do we have over it? Um, I, I don't know the answer. Like, what if, what if Andrew Cuomo thinks we need to be locked down for four more months? And I think as a medical, you know, as a, as a citizen that, you know, medical science says that that's excessive. What rights do we have as people to recall him or to disagree or to you know, take back our, our, our freedom to move around. I, I don't know the answer to that. And these are, we're at the beginning of a mountain, you know, and, and that mountain is made up of all of us becoming incredibly familiar with the laws and, and challenges to um, emergency, states of emergency. We're just at the start of that, but definitely that passion for freedom and not forgetting about it is, has got to stay alive in our hearts. I wish I had more concrete answers for you, but this is such an unprecedented time. And these are things that I, I literally don't know, right? Like, I, I, I mean, we need to be like literally, and this is why daily cloud exists. We need to probably get a constitutional scholar on hand all the time for people to ask questions on video, as long as we have video, you know, like they've, they've done this or that in San Diego, they've done this or that in Colorado, um, what law allows that and what, what's my recourse when the citizens decide as a community, you know, we're done with this or this is too far. Dr. Naomi Wolf, I want to thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing your time and your wisdom. Really have a lot of respect for you again. Thank you so much for all your contributions and I think you've inspired a lot of people. I can learn more about Dr. Wolf by going to her website at dailycloud.io. Thank you so much, Dr. Wolf. Thank you so much for your time. Stay safe, and I, I hope to talk to you again in happier times. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of the Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our amazing guest, Dr. Naomi Wolf, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Lisa McGarity, and Ms. Constance Dellis. To learn more about the Out of Limits of the Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening.